This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Real Down. We're here for with another week. Uh, we did not have anything last week. I had a couple funerals to go to, so unfortunately, I uh, wasn't able to get a show out to you guys. Uh, but we got a pretty good one this week. Uh, we got Mr. Uh, Stormy uh, over here, um, who recently took home the championship uh, uh for the Hobie series, the Hobie TOC, uh, coveted TOC trophy. Um, so glad to have him on tonight. Brady, how you doing? I'm good. What's that, man? Uh, nothing much. Just uh, living the life. Heck yeah. Like, <clears throat> uh, so tell me a little, about, a little bit about yourself and uh, how did you get into kayak fishing and or how did you get started in fishing in general? Um uh, yeah, so I've been fishing literally my whole life. Um, I started going out walleye fishing with my grandpa probably when I was like two or three. Uh, and I've just always loved being around the water and catching fish. But I actually live up here in, in Nebraska. And I always joke with people and I tell them I'm from middle of 
a cornfield, Nebraska, because that's about all we have up here. Yeah. So the uh, fishing opportunities are are kind of few, at least compared to down south. But if you work at it a little bit, you can find some really good fish up here. Uh, isn't that isn't Ben Milliken from Nebraska too? I remember watching some of his early videos, uh, and mm -hmm. he's when he still lived in Nebraska, and uh, watching some of his content, he was bumping out from out there. It looks like there's some decent places, at least like close by, that you can get to that have some pretty good opportunities. Uh, yeah, for you're sure. not too far from like Missouri and. Some of those lakes like uh Kansas table rock is and all. really good too yeah <clears throat> that's cool man so um how about tournament fishing how did you get your start in tournament fishing well um i had this high school friend named josh and we were actually in junior high he came across this guy um who goes by the the name of kayak jack his name's marty hughes he's okay. from Nebraska, and yeah. uh we kind of um, started looking into what he was doing. He was putting on these kayak fishing tournaments. And so my friend and I both had kayaks and we started doing these youth events in Nebraska when we were junior high age. So probably, you know, what, 12 to 14, I don't even know. But wow. uh, so we, uh, we'd have to have like my mom go with us and yeah. with us because we were minors. So yeah, um, you had to have some kind of, I think, the they, where they rule it is like you have to have some kind of supervision on the yeah. water, uh, like an eight, Thankfully, they've eighteen. They've kind of gotten away from that. Now you can just like fill out a um, a form, which is cool. Yeah, but yeah. That's how we started doing like multi species tournaments, youth tournaments, and just uh, fell in love with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you, how long have you been kayak fishing for? Then, like, uh, probably about like eight to ten years ish maybe ten yeah, years pretty good tournament fishing maybe like eight years so yeah yeah it's uh i've definitely been around it for a while it's been pretty cool meeting all these uh different people all over the country yeah no doubt um so getting moving on to i guess this event <clears throat> um did you get a chance to pre-fish for this event or do you have any uh, history on Lake Chickamauga? I think this may be like the fourth tournament this year. I think we've covered on chick. It seems like it was, yeah. it, it was pretty popular. This, the chick in Gunnersville seemed like they were very mm -hmm. popular this year. Um, but do you have any history going back on chick or you uh, kind of yeah, have, have to learn I've, it as you go? I've been on chick one other time. And yeah. it was actually during the same time of the year. Um, it was that Bassmaster tournament there the first year that Bassmaster had their kayak series. Um, yeah. So that was like late November. So it was very similar to uh, the same pool level as it was back then, which yeah. helped out a lot. But I've tried to kind of steer clear of the national tournaments, go to like Gunnersville and Chickamauga, just because I, I don't really care to fish around a whole bunch of boats all the time but uh, there's a lot of boats uh yeah. there's a lot of guys out here that have a lot of experience on those waters and i feel like you got to know those waters pretty well most of the time like, yeah you usually have to end up doing something pretty funky 
to get the extra couple bites in order to like win tournaments or even get in the money. So that's kind of cool, kind of getting out of your comfort zone of what you are used to doing in fishing and having to really be dialed in to what's going on. So yeah, that it's they're fun for those reasons. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I feel like, uh, I mean, not necessarily every time uh, an event comes to like Chick or Gunnersville that a local wins it, but it's usually like somebody that's local-ish to it does really well, like first or second. And then a guy that's not local that comes in with some sort of different approach that maybe everybody else isn't really thinking about. Um, that ends up either winning it or um, placing really well. Yeah. Yeah, I find just even <clears throat> fishing around here, when I take one of my buddies out that doesn't fish my waters, um, they'll end up fishing an area that I just kind of have um, neglected because I fish it so often, haven't done that great. And yeah. There seems to be a bite where it gets neglected every, you know, every once in a while. So yeah, I see people getting, uh, getting good finishes in tournaments, doing what you just said. Hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, well, that's pretty cool. So, what do you do? What did you do as far as like practice for this event? Did you have a couple days? They had a practice window, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, were yeah, you able to take like advantage of the days. window, or yep. Okay. Yeah, I got out there all four days of the official practice, so it was off limits for like a month or something before that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I got out there all four days, just did a lot of running with my motor. Um, I have the a motor guide bow mount, and so yeah. I did a lot of putzing around with that, changing ramps, uh, just looking at what everything looked like rather yeah. than just going down the bank and fishing real hard so that's kind of i kind of just did more scouting than fishing and practice yeah that makes sense and i think that's kind of typically the better way to approach practice other than i mean the alternative is that you're hooking all the fish that you're going to be hopefully trying to catch and then yeah and they don't want to and they don't want to bite or commit then the next time yep yeah you're Um, just making it harder on yourself if you're catching too many fish, I think. Yeah. And especially if you're like throwing some sort of presentation that you're going to try to throw during the tournament. And mm-hmm. then you just kind of educate this fish to what you're, what you're already throwing. So one, uh, one thing that I really like about like weather systems moving in for mm-hmm. the tournament, which is what we had at this tournament yeah, yeah, that, go definitely go into that. I was curious about that. Yeah. Uh, I live not I like, too far from Chick. I mean, I live in Nashville, so it's yeah. I, I, I like that because that. you can, um, like in practice, you can catch a few more fish and not really affect your fish too bad for the tournament because yeah. it's going to be kind of a different bite. Um, yeah. So I did like when I would find some fish, I'd catch quite a few fish there just to try to see what kind of size there was. And mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, kind of expand on that area where I found some fish to try to, like, find more areas close by that'd be an yeah. easy pedal. But Yeah, yeah. It didn't seem like there's a whole lot of, like, quality fish caught this go-around, which is kind of what I typically expect from 
a Tennessee River event in the fall. It's like mm-hmm. it's a lot of the mid-size range fish, and you may get like one good one a day mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, yeah, well, I mean, this will be kind of later fall, I guess. Yeah. Like did to like full blown fall, I guess. When they're on that little bait really hard, like they were in this tournament, and how they get in the fall, you know, just that little teeny tiny bait, yeah. Um, yeah. those big fish are definitely up there and around it, but there's just so much for them to eat that it makes it really tough to get those, get the bigger ones to bite. Mm-hmm. Like you're having to weed through all the little ones. Or, yeah. I mean... Because they're not, they usually will only be be biting smaller presentations, right? Because if you're feeding mm-hmm. on the smaller bait fish, I mean, you might be able to trick them into something else. But yeah, they're uh, so keyed in on that, on the color hues of the shad and that size of it. So yeah. throwing something downsized in the fall, you can actually catch you really big fish where it doesn't typically work that way the other times of the year. Yeah uh and so yeah but you'll also be able to be catching a lot of the little fish and white bass mm-hmm. and yeah everything else in the lake Dude, i caught some massive drum i was gonna there. say the drum is what i always run into trying to fish the shad and stuff and on the tennessee river mm-hmm. like uh watts bar is probably the worst place for it in the fall uh i'll go out there like in fish shad balls and just drop like a blade bait or something through it. And every time it's like, as soon as it hits the bottom, it's just bunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a giant drum or uh blue cats. I don't know why, but tons of blue cats do, doing that. Yeah, cat, catfish love those blade baits. Um, so what, what were you looking for coming into this event? Like, you had a pretty good idea that's going to be fall patterns or mm-hmm. um, what kind of areas per se, where you going to try to focus your time in and um, like what kind of patterns were you going to try to develop? Um, I was looking for some areas that had some shallow grass that was, had some deep water access nearby. So mm-hmm. like up in the <clears throat> river, um, that's pretty much the whole thing in the river is there's yeah like from basically like Hawassi island north mm-hmm. the whole region it's just uh, shallow grass on the bank drops off to 10 foot i mean it's perfect for that scenario yeah. so i and i like that kind of you know grass mixed in with some wood um mm-hmm. by the deep water with the shad up in it uh, i really like um, what you can do there throwing frogs and jerk baits and spinner baits uh so yeah. i always try to look for that kind of stuff yeah um did you watch the Bassmaster um elites footage from a couple of years ago when they went out there and i think it was the last weekend of october mm-hmm. um yeah i watched that whole tournament pretty close yeah uh, that was pretty close to what Lee Livesey was doing. Was that grass that's like kind of out towards the main. Well, that's got like closer deep water uh, by yep. it. Um, so were you seeing like grass mats and stuff like that from that event? Uh, like in that event, they had 
popped out grass everywhere and then you had the bright green spots they were looking for in the grass um some guys were some guys Mm -hmm. were doing other stuff but uh, is that kind of what you were seeing uh during this event actually the grass um for whatever reason uh is not nearly what it usually is in previous Mm -hmm. years so um some people always get kind of bent out of shape when the grass is dead or there's not much grass or whatever but actually when there's less grass that means that the fish that want to be in the grass are going to be more uh concentrated Mm -hmm. so that's what i found is that when i would get in an area that had fish in the grass you wouldn't have to move very much at all because they didn't have anywhere else to go to be in the grass huh wow um so going through practice did you have a couple of areas that you had found that you felt like could produce for you during the tournament or did you have do you have some pretty good confidence going into day one or did you have a pretty good game plan figured out i knew that i was um i i was fishing for schoolers in the back of the pockets initially in the beginning of practice or in the beginning of the tournament and uh I knew that there were bigger fish around because you could see like three and four pounders come up every once in a while and and eat the bait. Whereas most of the fish I was catching back there were between 12 to 16 inches. So I knew that I was around them at least. I was confident that I was around bigger fish, but I was kind of just leaving it for the tournament to figure out how to catch those bigger fish. Yeah. And um the place that I started seemed to have a better average of bigger fish than the other backs of pockets I had found for whatever reason. I'm not exactly sure why. So yeah. that's kind of how I picked that the back of that pocket rather than just any random one. Okay. Um so I guess going through your day one, um, how did day one go for you? It looks like you had a pretty decent day. Um, yeah, I was sitting was. in like seventh after day one with like 82 yeah. and a half inches. So I was just missing that kicker that everyone else up there at the top got. So yeah. I, I, felt, I felt pretty good about what I did on day one, especially – um, after not really being able to figure out how to catch those bigger fish in practice on those mm-hmm. school, schooling fish. So I caught a, a 17 incher off a dock like five minutes into the tournament on day one on wow. a bait. And then I kind of expanded on my area later in the day because I had cold up to about 79 inches. And I thought that's going to be a pretty respectable bag for today. And it'll definitely get me to tomorrow to be able to go catch them pretty good the next day. Yeah. So I I started expanding on my area, ran to the back of another pocket that had grass in it and ended up catching um, like another 17 and an 18 incher and really really made my bag into a bag that would put me into contention to win for the next two days. Yeah. As long, I mean, Really, if you stayed around that 80-inch mark every day, 
it seemed like you'd put, keep yourself in contention. Mm-hmm. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. What does 80 inches get you in this? Yeah, I mean, 80 inches... Russ said 80 and a half inches the first day. Yep. Yeah, Caven. There's a lot of guys with that around that 80 inch mark that were in contention still on on day three. Um, <clears throat> well, there were so many of those giant fish being caught. Um, yeah. You could have 80 inches for two days and then go crack 100 and have a shot to win, you know? Yeah. Um, you just had to like get into an area where the the big schoolers were firing rather than just those 16 inchers yeah for sure um so what were you doing like in the grass as far as like how were you fishing the grass and you don't have to tell me specifically how you're doing it but like just a general idea Mm -hmm. Um, so um all practice, I was only able to really consistently catch the schooling fish with a uh, jerk bait, and mm-hmm. I used um, the Berkeley Stunna from nice. Missouri. And yeah. so, what I would do um, when I would get around the grass specifically is make a little bit shorter casts, and then keep my rod tip pointed up, and and um, work the bait like, with my rod tip up keep it keep yeah. it up out of the grass yeah uh, because then so were you fishing it. like submerged grass that wasn't quite mm-hmm. topped out okay on day one and two i was on day three i was fishing more maps but okay uh yeah and then to keep it above that grass you had to work your rod tip up and then i was also throwing um a frog and i'll have the spinner oh yeah i have the spinner here you'd throw the frog out there over the grass with mm-hmm. this spinner on it and work it really slow and it'd kind of mimic a dying bait fish on top of the water yeah. and you could trick them into eating that as well what uh what frog is that that's a jackal cara um uh, the the kaira what are, the little one yeah yeah it's a yeah. littler frog so it kind of <clears throat> matches the size of the bait fish and yeah then, that's one of my favorite frogs yeah uh, I, I use that frog a lot on gunnersville um and chick actually how is your hookup ratio on the kara uh i wouldn't say that it's like perfect but it's it's decent it seems that the bigger fish are the ones that i have issues hooking up with it's Mm -hmm. the smaller ones that i can catch almost every time but Mm -hmm. yeah there's 
when the big fish inhale it, you think about that. It's just a big circle in there, and there's not much to grab onto. Yeah, and it's such a little frog that it like doesn't. It can just like you pull it straight out of their mouth, just about. So for the people that are watching, you can see how the hooks are super pointed in on this frog. Yeah. And what I do on this frog is I take my pliers and I turn the hooks so that they're parallel with the body of the frog, uh-huh. um, and then I also pull them out just a little bit like so that the tip is up and then I hook the big fish really well. Um, okay. It's more like a fluke hook then where yeah. the hook is a pointing above the eyelet um, and then it can grab a lot better. But other than that, it's for me, I kind of have that same problem where it's hard to hook them. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've definitely lost like a couple of big fish that have cost me some money on that little frog. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I have so much confidence in getting bites with it because I almost kind of view it like a finesse version of frog fishing, if that makes any sense. (laughs) uh, Like I I feel like I can go behind people with that smaller frog and get more bites that that they're missing. Um, Oh, for sure. Especially like on the Tennessee River, where you got tons of that little shad everywhere, um, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of the times that's what they're eating, is around the grass and stuff too. Uh, that and little bluegill and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, I'm going to have to try that out on my on mine. Uh, see if that helps any with my hookup ratios. Yeah, I've tried doing that with other brands of frogs, like Spro and different things. And when you bend the hooks out on those, it seems like you get snagged in the grass really bad. Yeah. But for this one, it doesn't seem like you have that problem near as much. I'm not huh. sure what the difference is. This one sits um, like belly down in the water Yeah. almost all the time. So I think that is what helps a lot. Yeah. Um, it's It's an awesome. That's an awesome frog. That's like. I got like two favorite frogs and that's like my top, one of my top two. The other one is the scum frog, um, Mm -hmm. the launch frog. Uh, that one I've probably got like a 95% hookup ratio on, but it's really hard to fish that frog around, uh, like any kind of pads or, um, anything that you have to like pull it through. Uh, it's really good mat frog, but, Mm -hmm. Uh, anything where you have to like pull it through it because it's such a soft frog that it just mm. it immediately hooks into stuff. Um, but Do you, yeah, does a, the, does Jackal have a bigger version of that Kara? You know, I'm not sure if they do or not. Let me look. Let me try to see if I can pull it up real quick. I know they make a pretty good plethora of frogs. Um, I don't think they got. I, don't, I think that that one is specifically like a smaller. They're smaller. Let me just pull up Jackal. Savage Gear has one that's almost exactly like it. Yes, I just saw. I just saw it on here. I never uh, care for Savage Gear's hooks that much. Yeah, I, I can't say that I've used the 
use their stuff very often. Let's see. I'm not sure what the jackal ones have for hooks, but they are like legit. Yeah. Uh, they've got the Gavacho. They have the Kyra. They have the Kyra S2. Is that what you were using with the blade on the back? The S2 beat. Yep. Yeah. The S2 beat. Huh. Yeah, that's a cool frog. Um, and I don't think they make any other sizes of it. Um, I thought they had other. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. The PQPQ. That's another one that could uh, maybe imitate that small bait. I think that's what it was designed for. Yeah, I get a little flash in there don't see that on a frog too often so i think that um when you have a bunch of boat pressure and stuff doing something subtle like that can really get you a couple more bites yeah um i I played around a little bit with the some of the tackle frogs that have um similar stuff on the back of them like i think they make one that has basically two little they look like little flippers that are uh, mm-hmm. little silver flippers on the back um, and then make another one that's kind of almost the same as this uh, S2 but this one looks a little bit more finessey than that one does um, have you ever thrown the optimum uh, optimum baits uh, furbit frog uh, I don't think so is that the one with the rabbit tail on it Uh. I think Depths has one that's the same, or they used to. I guess Depths is not really around anymore, but it's kind of the same thing. It has a little tiny rabbit fur tail sticking out the back. Yeah. Uh, I haven't thrown the Optimum Baits one, though. Is it is it pretty good? Um, I haven't thrown it a whole bunch. The body's super, super soft, like your scum frog you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's Optimum Baits. You'd have to double check that, but uh, I've only thrown it a handful of times, and the hookup ratios are phenomenal. But the bodies are so soft that it's really snaggy. So yeah, I f- think it's a little better in like open water or around wood or something rather than like in a mat. Oh, so they got a popping frog version of it. Okay, so this one's got a long, pretty long tail. That furbit one that you're talking about. Um, yeah, the the depths one I'm thinking of. Uh, has a really short little tail on the back of it. Uh, but it's kind of the same concept. It's also super soft, like you're saying. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they have their advantages as soft frogs do. Um, Slither K is the one I'm thinking of. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. I've I don't think I've ever thrown the depths one though. Uh, it's a, it's a twenty one dollar frog. <laughs> uh, so ridiculous. Yeah, don't lose that one. Uh, yeah, anyways. I fish around a bunch of pike, being from up north, so. You really have to uh, decide what you're willing to lose. Usually, you keep all your good stuff for tournament day, and then throw all the like crackers <laughs> yeah. during practice and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't be throwing that one around the pike. Yeah, uh, you get that thing tore up. 
But uh, anyway, so back to your day one. So on day one, were most of your fish coming off of the? Uh, let's see. You said you made that transition and caught those bigger fish around the grass in the back of that pocket. Yeah. Um, was that using the jerk bait technique that you're talking about, or was that on, on coming on a frog? Yeah, the bigger ones were on the jerk bait, but okay. um, day one was so crucial for the whole rest of the tournament because I started getting that uh, frog idea in my mind, and then come day two, and then especially day three, I really went more to the frog over the jerk bait, but yeah. um, the jerk bait was a huge player on day one and day two. Day two, I caught my two biggest fish on the jerk bait again. Wow. Um, I guess I kind of forgot to ask what kind of water temperature were you guys seeing throughout the event and how was the weather kind of playing a factor in day one? It was right around like 60 to 65, uh, pretty much from through practice and the tournament. It fluctuated a little bit. We had some cold nights during practice i think it dropped down to like the high 30s 40s at at night um during during that time but during the beginning of practice it did and the bite was like like legit and then it got warmer overnight and it never cooled back off It, it stayed warmer all through the tournament and so day one of the tournament i figured it would be tougher than the other two days uh because it was very little wind, uh, bright skies, and yeah, um, it Most was frontal type of condition. Uh, yeah, it was or... like recovering from that the cold nights, and yeah. then day two, the clouds rolled in because there was a little rain shower coming through on Friday. So, yeah. uh, three quarters of day two was cloudy, and then all of day three was cloudy. And that helped the bite a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so do you think they kind of positioned in that grass a little better for you, on like in the next coming days? Or uh, how did day two go for you? Let's go. Let's go through that. Um, day two was like my whole tournament was made each of the days from some very specific fish catch. And so on day two, um, I had 85 and a half inches and slightly better. mm -hmm. It looked like every day you got better uh, as you're out there. Yep. But uh, about nine o'clock, I just had a small limit and nine o'clock is when the clouds rolled over. Like I was saying, yeah, this is on day two. And, So I caught a 19 incher on the jerk bait right when the clouds came over because it had been sunny in the morning. And then five minutes later, I cold up another time with an 18 and three quarters. And wow. that's what jumped me up there real high for my daily total. And um, then I kind of just went practicing after that again, ran a bunch of new water and then really got keyed in on that frog bite and ended up culling a couple more times with the frog but they were just you know a quarter inch or maybe an inch here and there um but i knew like what i was 
going to do on day three, how I was going to potentially win. I know I'd have to fish the frog really heavily. So yeah. um, then so I what ran. do you think made that transition from like having to fish the jerk bait versus the frog? Like why do you think they started keying in on that better? Well, for some reason the the bait kind of went down. I don't know if they went deeper or kind of dispersed a little bit. So the fish were not blowing up on them like they were uh, mm -hmm. through practice and day one of the tournament. So I think that was a huge factor in the reason I couldn't really get the jerk bait to play that much. But there were still bait up in the grass and they're like the matted grass, not yeah. necessarily the uh, just the submerged grass. And also bluegills back in there. So um, I couldn't really get anything going on the jerk bait. So I just started throwing the frog more heavily. And mm -hmm. that like around up... some of the matted grass. Yeah. More so than like the submerged or sparse grass. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's awesome. I like hearing that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, I like me a good frog bite for sure. Yeah, what what kind of what kind of setup do you throw for your frog fishing? Um, I have like a seven three, okay, heavy, you know, pretty yeah. typical frog rod. Then yeah. I I throw Shimano everything, and on that I have a two hundred k. Okay, uh, I really like the little beefier reel, um, yeah. and it's also a, a high speed gear ratio. Yeah, um, I like the high speed. Especially in a kayak, uh, I like fishing high yeah. speed gear ratios. Um, yep, for sure. Yeah, you gotta when you're fishing a frog or anything that you're working. I think especially out of a kayak, you have to have a a fast gear ratio because I I can never catch up with them fast enough. <laughs> yeah, I can never catch up with my slack, or I feel like I get wore out uh, trying to catch up with my slack, or just the fish in general. Mm -hmm. uh, always, basically, I feel like I'm always moving towards bait and yeah uh, having to pick up line um yeah yeah that's a good size reel 200 i started using the one fit the baits um reels uh the 150 size and uh i really like those ones too they got a real like a longer crank handle on them so mm -hmm. they, they make high gear high speed gear ratios in those too um but I really feel like I can like winch them out of the cover and stuff with that. Yeah. Pretty well. Uh, what kind of line do you throw? What size? I like power pro. Um, I yeah. feel like it's a really round line and I have always really liked the round lines, whereas like spider wire, it's more flat. Um, yeah. and then I, I like 50 pound for my frogs. I know that's a little light for some guys, but I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think they can get the job done out there. I, I go down as low as 30 pounds sometimes on, with that Kyair frog. That's mm -hmm. the only one I really throw on that lighter braid. That's I feel that like sometimes it's kind of hard. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's kind of hard to cast that little frog on 50 yeah. pound. It just like, it's so light that it just like catches the wind and it just doesn't move. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, stalls in the midair uh so i feel like i have to throw it on 30 pound to to get it anywhere um, mm -hmm. 
And when you're and facing can... that finesse, the you know, the jackal cara, that more finesse frog, yeah. you're doing it because the bite is tough for whatever reason. And so yeah. a lot of times you have to make that really long cast in order to get the fish to bite. So right. going down to like 30 pound is a really good idea. Yeah. Um, you just got to be careful with it around that grass if you get dug into it. And luckily, though, in a kayak, you can kind of like just kind of pin them in the grass and make your way over to them and mm-hmm. not really have to like winch them out of it. Um, so you're not really like, like in a bass boat, for example, you'd, you'd really have to like winch them out of it um, and be able to use the boat to kind of pull them out versus within a kayak, you can kind of just hold them in place and hope they don't yeah. come off basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A kayak is a lot more forgiving than a bass boat. Like when you set the hook in a bass boat, the boat doesn't move, you know, but yeah, you're, you're more, fly, you're yeah. standing one. So you're putting a lot more force into the, mm-hmm. the hook set and, uh, two. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not going to move as much. So again, you're putting a lot more force into that mm-hmm. set. Uh, yeah. So 30 pound, I think you, you can get away with in a kayak. I don't know if I would recommend bass boat guys doing that, but. Yeah, I would say they really know what they're doing in a kayak. Yeah. Um. So day two, you had a pretty decent limit. Let's see, you had eighty-five and a half inches. There's some pretty good limits caught on day two, though. Uh, I think the best limit of the event was caught on day two. It looks like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like ninety-three inches or something. Yeah, 93 and a quarter inches. Uh, Justin and Rolando, Rolando had 90 inches with a 24 in his bag. Is that big fish for the event? Yep, it sure was. Nice. It's a monster. He's a hammer, man. Uh, he likes those big fish. Big ones. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. I'm going to try to put it, pull it up on the screen here. There were some absolute freaks caught down there. Yeah, this the is second biggest pretty... fish was like twenty three and a half, I believe. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty solid one. Yeah, uh, twenty three and a half. Where was that one at? That was Dusty Yacker. Uh, I think he caught that on day one. On day one. Yeah. Uh... And then I really liked Nick Matthews. Uh, 21 and three quarters that he caught on day one it was a really pretty fish and it was a tank good lord yeah this is that's one of those cool fish with the little black spots and stuff on them yeah and it was like yellow it was a weird huh. fish i think he caught it with like five minutes left or something jesus what did he how did he get all that blood all over it he get it kind of Hooked in the tongue a little bit or something. Yeah, he was throwing a jerk bait, I think, and I think it inhaled it. So, oh dang, he said it swam away. Yeah, it didn't look like it looked like it. It wasn't like gushing blood everywhere, mm-hmm. but it definitely had some good blood on it. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. What was the other one you said? A twenty-one. He's up. Yep, right there. Twenty-one and a half. This is that a one? really pretty fish. Yep. Oh yeah, that's like it's got the, the really lateral good. line on. It's really defined. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful. I mean, it's fat too. Huh. Yeah, that's cool. 
rocking the good jeans ones. with no shoes on. <laughs> yeah. Just a good old boy from Indiana. <laughs> yeah. And is uh are those Birkenstocks up there? Yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh nice. So eighty five and a half. So you what that have you sitting at in date after day two? Uh, yeah. I don't know if it shows the totals after like yeah, if you scroll up and go to um like total right there by day one, yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah, I yeah. guess I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like what, what place were you in day two at the yeah. end of the day, I guess is what I was I was in fifth going into day three and I was ten inches back. I had one sixty eight and Justin had one seventy eight. Wow. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Um, that's a pretty good gap. Um, but I mean, there's still chance, uh, especially like with as much swinging and the weather and stuff that happens out there, it's kind of hard to produce that kind of like, especially that limit that he put up that 93 and a quarter. It's hard to produce that two days in a row. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, uh, when you're, when the, like, average um card people are catching is like between 75 and 80 inches and people are also catching 24 inches in the tournament like any moment you could be just right back in it oh yeah so did you have like some confidence pretty going into day three um that you could potentially jump him or how how were you feeling like Game plan wise, what were you thinking? Um, I wasn't really like too worked up or anything. I never really was thinking, man. I just need this and this, and we. I knew I had a shot to yeah. win. Um, but I, uh, I knew I was gonna have to move a lot. I knew that my starting area was not going to win the tournament because I'd already taken several decent fish out of there and i knew i needed at least one kicker like a 20 plus yeah uh, so i kind of planned to just um fish my starting spot for a little while till i kind of felt like i needed to run and uh did that and actually caught a 17 and three quarters and shortly nice. after that um i could just kind of feel like that area was about done so i loaded up in the car ran to another area I'd practiced in on hmm. day two of the tournament after I kind of got my good limit. Um, yeah. 
and went over there and just started frog fishing. Nice. So you made a midday move uh, mm -hmm. to this other spot. Did you call up any when you got over there, or how, to, how did that go once you started fishing that area? Yeah, so I probably left at like 9.30 and went to that next spot, and I had two fish when I moved. I had oh, a wow. 13 I had a 13 incher and a 17 and three quarters. Um, and I went over there and caught two more 13s. And then my fifth fish was a 21 and three quarters on the oh, frog. Yeah. So, and, but up until then I had not caught a 20 incher in the tournament. So I really needed that kicker fish. And then after I caught that one, I just got really dialed into what was going on with the frog fishing and Look at all that purple man yeah <laughs> like, damn that's awesome uh so that was your kicker that you had that you're looking for you hadn't really caught a kicker like that in the previous days so that nope. that really kind of shot you up there um made the difference for you for sure yeah when i caught this fish um i knew that i was like pretty dang close to being able to pull something off i knew i was gonna have to have you know like another kicker like that or just call up with some pretty decent fish like some 17s or something yeah yeah those aren't, those aren't bad when i caught that 21 and three quarters i believe i had like around 246 inches and Jordan Marshall was leading with 251 and three quarters. So, and I had three 13 inchers in my card. Um, mm. So, you know, I'm like, man, I'm really close to him. Yeah, you're right there. Yeah. So, so were you, were you watching the leaderboard at all? Or were you getting like, were people texting you, kind of giving you updates and kind of like hyping you up or anything? Or um, When... I wasn't really getting any text messages, but when I was at my starting area and only had two fish, yeah. I kind of glanced at the leaderboard to see, you know, should I kind of ride it out here or do I need to go make a move and catch some kickers? And when I saw, like, even when I had two fish, I was doing the math and I was like, man, people are not catching them today. I mean, the leader had like 73 inches for the day. So yeah. I was thinking, shoot, like we better go catch our limit and see how we end up here. And so I made that move and then just increasingly got more excited as I would catch some <laughs> yeah. upgrades because I knew I was getting close. And I actually did all of my, after that 21 three quarters, I think I did like the majority of my upgrading after the leaderboard shut off. So okay. nobody, nobody knew that, I was upgrading except AJ and myself. Yeah, yeah, like the judges and uh, yep. all that. Um, that's awesome. That's kind of that's even more exciting that you just kind of came out of left field. I mean, what did you say you were again at the end of day two? Uh, fifth. Fifth, yeah, going but, from fifth to jumping yeah. up to first in the last like couple like hours. Uh, mm -hmm. That's awesome. It was pretty exciting. They definitely went bananas there at the end of the day. The fish did. Yeah. Did they start like schooling or what was what was happening at the end of the day there that 
there, there were some schooling fish back in this marina that I had not found in practice. I just kind of randomly happened upon them as I was running from spot to spot trying to like go back to fish that I'd missed on the frog earlier in the day. And I caught a 15 and a half, which is like ended up being the small fish on my card. Um, yeah. Just randomly going by and seeing those schooling fish. But uh, the fish just like whatever the conditions were doing to the fish, it just got them right for frog fishing. And they were inhaling the frog. It, they were, I was catching them in the mat though. I wasn't pulling it over top of the grass like i had been the previous two days yeah so they they had moved further into the mats or mm -hmm. or the ones that were there just got more active for whatever reason yeah i think maybe they got more active because you know when you're frog fishing you're kind of just sitting in one area and picking it apart so when yeah. i'm doing that i'm just like uh surveying the mat and you could see some bluegill getting popped out of the mat uh, more often as the day went on. And wow. I kind of take a mental note of where those bluegill or bait were getting moved around and yeah. go back to three or four times until you finally just irritated that fish into coming up for your frog. Wow. Uh, and was that the same frog that you'd been throwing in previous days or did you change change had to change frogs to fish that heavier vegetation at all or what was your uh, yeah i i was throwing the jackal but yeah. and i caught that 21 three quarters on it but then i did actually switch to like a little heavier frog yeah um just to like uh be able to push down on that mat a little yeah. better uh, and i i think that helped for sure yeah uh I, that's kind of what that that launch frog that, that Lee Livesey won with, uh, that was kind of the same reason mm -hmm. I think he was using that was that one, he can gas bomb that thing out there, and two, it like kind of actually it sits down in mm -hmm. the mat a little better. Um, and you can add weights and stuff to it. I mean, you can do that to any frog, but yeah, I heard he, I remember him talking about he would put like, um, like drop shot weights or something in there yeah make it even heavier and yeah. uh, what what i do sometimes um if i'm just being lazy is i'll just reach down and hold my frog with my finger and thumb and then put it in the water and let it fill up with water and, yeah uh, that's, a, that's a good move that makes it heavier as well especially if you're just like have one small area of really thick stuff and you don't want to have to you deal know. with putting weights in and yeah. out of a for yeah yeah that's smart uh, i feel like not too many people think to do that <laughs> and that's yeah. a really easy way to make your frog heavier uh on the spot mm. uh depending on which one because some of them have those big holes in the back that you can't really do that with it yeah it just goes right out of it um but that's pretty awesome man that the last like two hours is you, you made it happen it was uh it was one of those like special moments that you have when you win a tournament and everything just went right the entire tournament i didn't lose fish which you you can't lose fish and win big tournaments um yeah things just happened at the opportune time like 
catching the 19 and 18 and three quarters pretty much on back-to-back -back cast on day two, um, kind of figuring out the frog thing on day one. And then on day three, just getting in the right area at the right time and catching the kicker that I needed so bad. And then just finishing it out with some really important like inch to two inch coals at the end of the day. It was really special. It was really awesome. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, and a really cool feeling. Uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, so going into the award ceremony and all that, how were you feeling like leading up to that and sitting at the ceremony? Um, yeah, it, when I got off the water, I didn't know if I wanted to like go to sleep or throw up or like <laughs> yeah. I was starving all at the same time. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a pretty stressful at once. few hours. Yeah. I mean, but, you uh, had to be kind of wore out at that point. I mean, you got, you've been fishing almost a week straight, like mm -hmm. every day on the water. Um, yeah. yeah, I was tired and I would just tell my mom earlier, like, I don't know why I've been so hungry since we got home, but she's like, you hardly ate anything when I was there. And I thought, Oh yeah, I kind of didn't eat anything. And I actually <laughs> yeah. ended up losing like three or four pounds during the week of fishing just because we, so, we were so locked into practice and to fish the yeah. tournament. But You're probably uh, like losing water weight, dehydrated mm -hmm. and not eating anything. Uh, yeah. Running on pure caffeine and adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. And then the stress of waiting those few hours to figure out if you won the freaking toc was horrible but yeah i had a, i was pretty i felt pretty decent that i uh was you know sitting pretty um after the leaderboard shut off and then the tournament got over i had a yeah. pretty good idea but i didn't want to let myself get too excited because i'd have really stunk if somebody else had upgraded which would definitely have been possible yeah um, for sure. Like, did you think that you were going to win it at that point? Or did you just think you were going to have a really good finish? I thought I had a really good shot at winning it. I wasn't positive I'd won it yet. Yeah. But I was, I was pretty sure I had a really good shot. I think, yeah, and looking at the leaderboard, you're one of the only ones that, like, consistently got better through the event mostly everybody either had a really good day one and day two and then dropped off on day three or the other way around they, they had a bad day one and then day two and three they kind of got it figured out but mm -hmm. it seemed like every day for you got better each each day yeah i just kind of uh kept moving around and trying some new areas and trying areas i've been to but at different times of the day until you know, I just kind of kept putting the pieces of, of the puzzle together and was able to just get the opportune, you know, put the opportune bites in the boat when they bit was yeah. really the key. Yeah, I mean, we got some pretty good gas money out of the deal. <laughs> uh so what how was it how was it feel when they called your name or like when you were the last one up there oh. well my heart was racing like i don't even know how to tell you how hard my heart was beating <laughs> yeah. when when it was jordan and i standing up there waiting to figure out who won 
And then as soon as AJ said that I won, like I just lost all, all the feelings that wanting to throw up or whatever. And then my heart stopped beating and I was just like calm and peaceful. But, uh, yeah, having fished, you know, I'm still really young in my age, but having fished tournaments for so long now, um, the TOC has been the highest uh, thing on my list yeah, of wanting for, sure. to, for one getting to it every year, which is always the goal, and then winning it is the ultimate goal. And to you know, see these people I fished with forever get a win it in the previous years and been so happy for them, and just got to be a part of like that excitement. And then yeah. getting to hold that trophy now was, I don't know, it just kind of came full circle from when I first heard about kayak fishing and Mr. Evans's health class and junior high till <laughs> yeah. standing at Chickamauga holding a dang trophy over my head. That's, Get- that's kind of crazy, that yeah. whole, that development and looking back yeah. on that. Pretty um, surreal. I still don't really believe it. Well, you did it, man. Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, and in the process, I mean, you beat out some guys that are hammers in general, but also mm-hmm. have a history of doing really well on that lake. Like, mm-hmm. um, Jordan says he hates that lake, but I know he, he's this past year or so he's done. I think he's won like three or four big events out there, placed really well in them. Yeah. Um, and then Russ, I mean, he won the Bassmaster Classic Championship out mm-hmm. there earlier this year. Um, yeah. Just to uh, just to see your name up there with the likes of Russ and Jordan Marshall, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of an accomplishment in its own because those guys are like the they're world class competitors and that just makes it all that more special. Well, I mean, really almost everybody in that event is world-class. And, and then you had Ewing, um, congrats to, to him also um, with the, yeah. the AOI win there. That's pretty cool. Um, another young guy, I mean, he's a freaking hammer for how for his age. Yeah, uh, I think he's younger than I am. I think he's still in college or something. Yeah, yep. I guess so. Um, yeah, he's tearing it up in the college fishing too. Uh, it's wild. I don't. I don't want to see that guy on the water in five years. <laughs> He's probably going to be dominating. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, pretty awesome that you're able to make that accomplishment. Um, you got anybody you want to thank, or any kind of sponsors, or anything, or family? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've been kayak fishing for a long time now and i've met some really awesome people and gotten to become friends with so many amazing people and just everyone that has been a part of this journey like this whole feeling and trophy and the title is just as much theirs as it is mine because i could not do it without my folks and all these different people that you know I've competed against in Nebraska. Uh, shout out to the sticks. Like everybody's yeah. just made me better. Um, and 
we're actually opening or we're taking over a Hobie kayak dealership this coming year. Um, so that'll be in Nebraska. And I've awesome. worked with them for several years and they've sponsored mm-hmm. me. And that's been really awesome. Um, Mike and Don are their names and we'll be taking that over probably like in December. So be looking for that if you, uh, you know, need any advice with kayaks or anything to do with kayaks you can always just call me and i you know i'll chit chat kayaks or fishing or whatever but um, yeah dude that's really cool we'll have an online shop at some point as well so i'm looking forward to that but i'm pretty excited about that new color that they've got out that uh that the aoi boat was Mm -hmm. Uh, that's legit huh (laughs) yeah uh, I like that. I, I like the darker colors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sucks that I just bought a new 360 like earlier this year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. it. Uh, I like it pretty well. Uh, it's been a pretty. I mean, I've had a 360 for four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, three or four years, whatever. However long it's. I think I got it the year after it came out, but uh, it's a pretty awesome boat. You can kind of do a little bit of everything with it, mm-hmm. and it's fast and stable. Uh, carry way too much stuff. Me too. Probably needed to start taking stuff out of it because it's yeah. just, like, distracting how much stuff I've got. Right. Do you have any sort of motor on it? Uh, yeah, I got it the the Newport. Um, the 180, not the 300, uh, that's a little smaller one, but it pushes it just fine and I can push it. I mean, ridiculous range on that thing, mm-hmm. like cover, I don't know, I, on average, I guess I'll usually go about 10 or 11 miles a day, um, in it. Heck Yeah. That's and at about four and a half to five miles an hour, um, yeah, I start pedaling with it and really and leave it on like a hundred percent throttle. I, I can get like five and a half uh, or so, almost six. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a pretty cool boat. I really like it. Um, I have considered some of the newer options though out there. Like the shop just got the new uh, Titan X's in. Um, I've been looking at those pretty closely because I like the build on those. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. I originally was in a Titan uh, before I switched to the Hobie. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was my one thing I didn't like about the Titan was it was kind of a slower kayak at the time. Yeah. Uh, but that seems like they've kind of got that fixed a little and the whole feet wet feet live well yeah. issue I remember that so what um what like drive system do you prefer do you like the bicycle pedal or do you like the uh push from the hobies uh i like the push like the fin style one on the mm-hmm. hobie uh a little better because i feel like it just i don't get as wore out using that and it, it's faster um than like the prop style and the pedal style. Uh, but the one thing I do like about the pedal more is that instant 
reversed yeah. with it. Like you can immediately start pedaling backwards and you're going backwards. Um, but rather than having to pull something or turn something to get to get in reverse. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after you've had a Hobie for a while, that just kind of becomes like second nature, like turning the 360 knob or like pulling the reverse button or cord. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you don't even like think about it after a certain time. Yeah. I feel like I'm just uh, very uncoordinated sometimes and like I'll be like trying to fight a fish and they trying to turn my handle around yeah. and uh, mess that all up. But yeah, like yeah. you're saying, you, you just kind of get, it's like it becomes muscle memory at some point mm-hmm. after you've done it for a while. Uh, but good boats. Yeah. Yeah. They got some cool new stuff coming out. The, yeah. Good way to get out on the water without breaking the bank. Yeah. When, well, in comparison to uh, boats, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and mean, they're, they're still not expensive, but <laughs> yeah. once, you know, you sure work, you know, work a couple extra shifts, save up some money, drop the four grand or three grand to get in a used boat, and then you have your fishing vessel. You don't have to put gas in it. You don't mm-hmm. have to uh, maintain it. You don't have to winterize it. It's just a piece of plastic that sits there and goes wherever you tell it to go. So yeah, and I, and you got almost all the same capabilities that you could in a boat. Almost, I mean, w- with the exception of like going seventy miles an hour mm-hmm. or um, being able to like have more stuff on the boat, I guess. But um, like. They're basically miniature bass boats at this point. Um, yep. Or like yeah. really high, those high end John boats almost like mm-hmm. that have all this, all the stuff on them. It's like kind of the same fishing capabilities as you can get in some of that stuff. Um, yeah. I feel like I catch more fish out of my kayak than I do when I'm fishing with my friends in a boat. Um, it's just a lot quieter. And then also if you're sitting down, it just seems like you get way more bites than if you're standing up. Yeah, because your your I guess your your presence is not as uh what, what am I trying to say there? Like you're not as impeding in the water mm-hmm. as you would be in a boat. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're standing in a boat, when you're standing up, it looks like a dang bird coming down to try to spear the spear them out of the water so if you're yeah. sitting down they can't even see you yeah um yeah there's i mean there's definitely there's some some advantages to it um but overall I, man uh i appreciate having you on too i was gonna say that 
Dude, thanks for having me on. I uh, I really like doing these podcasts, getting to meet new guys. I don't know Yeah. if they've met before, so uh, No, I get don't, to talk. and we'll have to catch up sometime. I'm hoping, I just had a baby Oh, dang, congrats. three months ago, so uh, Heck my fishing yeah. time and uh, season has been drastically reduced. Uh, Yeah. so, But I'm hoping next year to get out to a couple of events. Uh, I'm going to have to be a little selective on what I get to do next year, but uh, at least until he starts like sleeping better and getting a little I mean, he's never really going to be independent for a while, but a little more <laughs> independent uh, and Mm not -hmm. having to be constantly attended to. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to make it to a couple more national events. Uh, did Hobie release their schedule? Yeah. Yep, they're coming to check next year in September, so Yeah, let's pull that up real quick because I, for I have forgot about that. They did it during the event, right? Yep, they dropped that during the event. So looks like a pretty legit schedule, especially if you uh, are into chasing those big ones. Start with the Harris Chain, go to Rayburn in February. Got some Alabama bass you can go chase on Logan Martin in uh, March. Where did they? Oh, here we go. So Harris Chain is that? No. This is twenty twenty three one that I got here. They start at, at Harris Chain this year, and they'll start at Harris Chain next year, too. Next year, yeah. That's that's one I've always wanted to try to do. I don't know if that'll be on my radar for next year, but that'd be pretty cool. Um, That place I've always is wanted to try to make one Florida event in the. Uh, in the, in the, I guess the spring for them. Yeah. Yeah, January, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, last year Ewing caught like, what, 108 or 104 or something. I think it was like 108. I don't Yeah. remember. It was freaking ridiculous, Stupid. though. One day. Uh, that was, yeah, they had to do it one day event for that That one. was Santee Cooper. Mm-hmm. Santee Cooper, my bad, my bad. Uh, where can I find that on their pay on their Facebook page? I guess. Yeah. It's uh it's like a blue hue to it this year. So shouldn't be too many posts back. Let's see here. Then I don't know much about this uh Texas lake they're going to, like Wright Patman or something, but you would figure that there'd some be some big ones down there. Pretty much every Texas lake, it seems like. Um, I don't know that I've ever fished Wright Patman or know too much about it. That's I don't not even know a... where it is, honestly. All right, I'm going to look that up too. Yeah, I'm trying to find the uh, schedule as well. Oh, yeah, it's uh, AJ posted it, and it's down the list quite a ways in Hobie Bass Open Series. Yeah, that, that may be why I didn't see it. it was, uh, there was a couple days I was pretty busy last week. Uh, uh, I got kind of lost in the feed there. Yeah, around TOC, there's always a lot of There uh, it is. things going on. All right, I'm going to share my screen here.
We might have to do a whole nother show on their schedule. But we got Harris Chain. This is kind of cool how they're doing it, like round one. Uh, I like that blue, too. They do eight events this year. They did nine. nine. Uh, so they're going to drop back to eight next year, and then they'll also go back to the um, like three for that, AOI. That is the league I'm thinking of. I think Wright Patman is a uh, nuclear or uh, a power plant lake. Yeah. All right. I think so. I can't remember if that's the one I'm thinking of or not. Uh, Maybe there's something on Wikipedia about it. So we got, after that, Sam Rayburn. They got Logan Martin, like Norman, Wright-Patman, Cayuga, Saginaw River and Bay, Chickamauga in September, and then Santee Cooper. So they're kind of, they're kind of spreading the love a little bit on this one. They're kind of all over the, all over the U.S. Um, Yeah. They have like that northern swing going for Cayuga and Saginaw. I yeah. I've never been to either, but obviously people love Cayuga. Then I would imagine Saginaw has some pretty wicked smallmouth being up there in Michigan. But I really don't <laughs> yeah, know for sure. Um, I don't know if I've ever been to Saginaw River, but uh, uh yeah. I mean they've got to they've got to have some big fish up. Big small mouth up there. There's there's not much going on in the schedule this year for the uh like if you're trying to get your river fixed, but Logan Martin is on the Coosa River and there's yeah. some very rivery parts to it that you can get on and fish, you know, if you're kind of a creek guy. So um and I think everybody should go down to Alabama and catch those Coosa River spots they are i like catching them more than smallmouth even they are really fun and mean oh yeah and that should be a good time like it should be i'm sure there will be weather move in but you'll still be able to catch big ones yeah for sure i haven't i haven't actually i live close enough i should have done it by now but i hadn't actually fished for any coosa spots yet oh man i Uh, I love my largemouth, but Coosa River spots are very close up there to being my favorite bass to catch. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I need to need to put on my radar here soon. Heck yeah, get down there in March. I'm thinking about it now. March may be a little busy for me. We'll see. We'll see if I can make it work. I hope I can make some some of these work. At the very least, I think uh, Chickamauga may be one I may try uh, towards the end of that season. Mm-hmm. Actually, it'd be kind of cool to go up to Michigan. That's My wife's family is all from Michigan. I don't know how far that oh, is yeah. from where they're at. Nice. Saginaw River. 
city. Is that on the east coast of Michigan? I don't know. I've never actually fished in Michigan. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like 10 hours away or 10 to 12 hours away from me, so I can see why I haven't, but. Yeah, it is on that, that little part of the mitten there. That that section right there. Mm -hmm. The thumb I wonder, part. I wonder how in the world you, uh, like, set boundaries for that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you know, you can't go into Canada for this one. Uh, I'd say they probably like have well, they have a launch list, right? Yeah, I'm sure they uh, just do the launches, and then you can go as far as way as you can pedal. But yeah, I don't know if I'd venture too far out, right? There, like the ocean out there. Yeah, that looks not very kayak friendly if the wind. <laughs> yeah, but considering they're in Saginaw Bay, there, like even if the wind is like blowing, it looks like there's some protection that you can find behind some of those little islands and jetties yeah. and things. Depend, I guess depending on the wind direct. I think that this is like a, what is this, a northwest wind going this direction? It would be pretty, pretty brutal through there. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't I blow. Imagine. Happens pretty well frequently, but anyways. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, it's about that time. It's kind of towards the end of our show here. Um, and I don't, man, I appreciate having you on and uh, getting to talk with you. It's really cool to hear your story of how, how you were able to take home this win and uh, beat out all these other hammers. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was a fun thing to live for sure. I'm sure glad that, um, it all went down like it was did. I'm glad it was a tough tournament. Made it really worth it. Um, yeah. But, uh, there were know. still a lot of fish caught. So, I mean, you had 60 anglers and 1,000 mm. fish over three days. What does that come out to? Average. That's 17 fish per angler. So, that's five over five fish a day per angler. I mean, mm -hmm. not everybody caught five fish a day, but uh, yeah, some people made up for it. Yeah, there's there's definitely a few that made up for it. It seemed like, uh, but that's really cool, man. Congratulations again. Thank you um, so much. What do you got next? Uh, I guess most of everybody's season's wrapped up now. This is kind of the last big event of the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we're just uh, we're just getting the shop ready uh gonna hopefully open here in the next month or so um and uh we'll be carrying some other stuff like tackle and offer some different services like rod and reel rep repair so i'll be kind of wrapped up in that um i don't know how much i'll be able to fish next year but anytime i can i'm gonna get away for some tournaments i'll definitely be fishing around here in my my local club in Nebraska, and then maybe try to do some all American tournaments, all American yeah. tag series up here in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, they, they run a tight ship over there. You're going to have to uh, come back to chick in September and defend your, uh, your title. I might, <laughs> yeah. I might I wonder how it fishes then. I think it's probably a little more full, so it might fish a lot different. 
Yeah, I think that's still summer pool out there. I don't. I think they start drawing it down at the end of October or mid October or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think the maybe it's like the first week of October is when they try to get it to winter pool somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um. Anyways, well, it was good having you on, man. Um, and for everybody listening out there, it's uh good talking with with uh, Brady here and. Uh, Wish you wish him best in in his in his career, I guess, with the your new shop <laughs> coming up and uh and your future tournament stuff. So with that, uh yeah, it. yeah man. Uh well with that we'll see you guys uh on the next one. Heck Peace. yeah. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.